0: Well, we're beginning a brand new series today. It's called Follow. As our circumstances continue to evolve, it is good to remember that our ability to follow after Jesus is not limited by gathering restrictions or protocols, nor wind, nor sleet, nor snow, nor rain. So I want to welcome you. Thank you for joining us at Church Online, and I guess that's all of us today. And so glad that we can still have this option available to us all. Now, to get us started today, I want to tell you a little bit about my growing up in church. I grew up in church, at church, around church, on my way to church. I went to uh, Sunday school before Sunday services, then I went to the morning Sunday service. I went back in the afternoon for youth choir to the Sun Life Singers. I went to the evening service, and then I hung out with church friends after evening service. I took a breath, went home, and then I came back for youth group on Wednesday nights. Friday and Saturday nights, I would frequently be playing ball hockey in the church gym with the church people i spent many of my summers at christian camp as a camper and then later on as a counselor don't be mistaken don't be misled here i had church as a big part of my life and some of you know what that's like some of you can relate to being in that same sort of spot so i don't know where i got this okay but, but because this is so wrong But when I was growing up, I kind of felt like the whole Christian life and all the spirituality, all the religion was kind of a giant ongoing game of Jesus says. Now, you've heard of Simon says, right? You know, Simon says, raise your right hand. Simon says, raise your left hand. Put your right hand down. You go, ah, oops, you're out. Simon didn't say that. You're disqualified. So, again, I don't know where I got this, but I just felt. Like, to be a Christian, it was as if Jesus, uh, Jesus says, jump. Uh, Jesus says, go to church. Jesus says, pray. Jesus says, don't look over there. Uh, stop looking over there. And, and if Jesus didn't say it, then you were out. And sometimes, I liked being out of the game because life was easier. It was less stressful and it was more enjoyable. But then something would happen in my life and I, okay, right, I need to get back into the Jesus says game. Okay, Jesus says pray. Jesus says read your Bible. Jesus says, Jesus says. And the other thing I noticed about playing or about approaching Christianity, about being in it, when I was doing what I thought was really well, like I'm winning the game, everybody else is having to sit down. But Jesus. Look, look Look! Look! what i'm doing right i'm doing what you say i'm doing great right jesus and when i would see people who weren't playing i would at times be so judgmental you're losing it's like you're not even trying to play you you need to play get in the game and do what jesus says hey Hey, those people over there, they aren't doing what Jesus says. You need to do what Jesus says. I was inconsistent. The better I did, the more judgmental I got. Then, I didn't want to play the game at all. So I was up, I was down, I was in, and I was out. Maybe the reason that you're not in church, the reason you dropped out of church, the reason that you're only now tentatively trying out maybe church online again is if you grew up in a church or religious system where it was all do 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 don't 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 do 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 don't 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 and you just you weren't good at it you 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 just weren't consistent you weren't disciplined enough to be whatever religion you were or to be a christian so you said you know what i'm out i watched them they watched me And it all seemed to be frustrating. So here's the great news. If you could somehow erase your memory banks of of everything that you've ever heard about God or Jesus, the Bible, religion, if you could just kind of go bop, and you could just kind of go blank, here's the amazing thing. If you were to just start with the blank slate and you were to pick up Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just the four accounts of Jesus' life. Here's what you would be overwhelmed with. It's just so extraordinarily relational. One of the reasons Jesus came, he said, was so that you could understand the Father. There there were three kinds of ways that he would talk about that. He would say, our faith (coughs) is like father and child. He said that you need to understand that we are allowed to, we get to, we can call God Father. That's really relational. And he's not a reflection of your Father. He is the perfection of Father. Then at other times, he talked about it like a vine and a branch. He said, I'm the vine and you're a branch. And the vine doesn't say, hey, branch, do this. Hey, branch, do that. The vine gives life to the branch. And as you learn to abide in me, then things will happen and you'll change and you'll grow. Very relational language. At other times, Jesus talked about uh, shepherd and sheep. And for us, that's kind of a bad illustration because we don't really understand that. But in his culture, it was just huge and people would get it because they understood that shepherds cared for sheep and one day jesus said my sheep hear my voice and they recognize me there's lots of sheep out there but my sheep the sheep that are in a relationship with me all i have to do is speak and it's like oh oh that's the shepherd and then they move in my direction so it was all just intensely, intensely, intensely relational. Uh, and and the, whole, the whole Jesus says thing, that's not the right approach. And, and, and I don't know where I got that. Intensely relational is what Jesus revealed to us. And repeatedly he revealed it. Which means that if your approach to spirituality or your approach to religion or specifically if your approach to Christianity is anything less than that, or anything more than that, then perhaps you've missed something. You you have been invited, and I have been invited into an extraordinary relationship. But how do you have a relationship with an invisible God? Well, that's a question we're going to deal with later in this series. But throughout the Gospels, the word that Jesus came back to over and over and over again, and the word that we're going to camp out on in this series, is follow. 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 Jesus extended an invitation to every single kind of person imaginable, to rich people and to poor people, people who were spiritual or weren't spiritual, the religious, the irreligious, all kinds of people. And he would say, hey, just follow. Come on, just follow me. I want to take you to the first account. Uh, uh, of this, and it's a somewhat of a familiar story. I, I would love for you to read it on your own. In, in, it's found in the book of Matthew chapter 9, and that's a, it's a story that Matthew tells about Matthew in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, and it, here's where we're introduced to the simplicity of follow. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Okay, tax collectors. Jewish people collecting Roman taxes. Jewish people found them to be disgusting. They were hated. They were outcasts. They couldn't go to the temple. And they couldn't be part of a Jewish society. They had to hang out with just other tax gatherers, people like themselves. And this is the way it worked. So Rome auctions off the right to collect taxes in all of their provinces. So generally, pretty wealthy people bid on the privilege to collect taxes, because if you owned the opportunity to collect taxes in a region, you could collect as much tax as you want, as long as Rome got their share. You got to keep the rest. So it was an extremely lucrative, Business And so these Roman citizens would then go out to the Roman-controlled provinces like Judea and they would hire locals to work for them to actually collect the taxes. And don't worry, just like today, there were all kinds of taxes. There's a poll tax and a bridge tax, income tax and a food tax. And if you were at a harbor, there was a tax for that. At a crossroad, there's a tax for that wine tax, property tax, and so it went on and on and on. So they'd hire these locals, they'd hire citizens of that country to collect taxes, and they would pay them so much that it was almost impossible for them to say no. But they were immediately hated by the local people who saw them as traitors. They were supporting Rome, they were benefiting from Roman taxes, and Matthew was one of those people and so he was absolutely hated just so you get the mood that we're in in this story so jesus walks up he's in a port uh kind of like a dock on this big lake and, and matthew's collecting taxes jesus could have said you know one of many things to matthew he could have walked up to matthew and said hey bet your mother's real proud of you so jesus he hasn't finished um choosing all 12 of his closest group yet So he's got a group that's traveling with him at this point. Jesus looks at Matthew, the tax collector, and Matthew would never forget this. Jesus says, follow me. And I would imagine that there was an audible kind of groan from the people who were with Jesus. Did you hear what he just said? Yes. Maybe he said, follow me sarcastically follow me. And you know, Peter is like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. (coughs) If he follows you, that means he's with me and I'm not with him. Wait, wait, wait. he's a tax collector. And Jesus looks at Matthew and he says, follow me. And again, these are uh, there are a lot of things that Jesus could have said to Matthew now about um, what what he had to do, right? He goes, no, it would be too hard. He, Jesus could have asked him something, that's, that's how he would have responded. He goes like, are you kidding? I can't do that. That's going to cost me way too much. That would require way too much. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And if you are one of Jesus' closest followers, and you're hanging out with Jesus, and you're like, wait, 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 come on, it can't be that simple, right? And we're going to find out in just a minute that there's a group of religious people who are following Jesus, shadowing Him, trying to figure out what He's up to, what He's got going on, and they look at this encounter, and they think, wait. No way it's that simple. Come on, you can't just say, follow me, and then a tax gatherer becomes one of your group. Jesus was a rabbi, okay? So the invitation to follow Jesus wasn't, hey, Matthew, come on, let's go walk down the street together. This was something of a formal invitation to become part of the circle, to become part of the posse, to become part of the group, to begin to identify yourself with me. And I will begin to identify me with you. And here's what Jesus didn't say. Because this is what people like, like me who grew up playing Jesus says would have expected him to say. He didn't say, now Matthew, if you're just willing to, and then fill in the blank, then you can follow me. Or if, if you're willing to stop, you can follow me. Or if you're willing to start, you can follow me. You'll do this three times. Hey, Matthew, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a little assignment and I'll check back in, I don't know, let's say three weeks. And if you put a check in all of these boxes, then you can follow me. He just says, Matthew, follow me. Now, here's what's significant about this. And we're going to talk about this for several weeks. This is the same invitation that Jesus extended throughout The Gospels to all kinds of people. Just follow me. The question that I want you to begin to ask, and and, and the question that would be great uh, if all of us, regardless of you know, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe maybe you don't, maybe you don't ever become a Christian. We'll talk about that too in a in a minute. Or maybe maybe you grew up in church like me, and if I said uh, John 11, you'd yell back Lazarus because you know the Bible. How fun, how wonderful would it be for just a few weeks for all of us to begin to tune out all of the other imagery, all the other stories that we hear, all the noise, all the other stuff, and then think in the most simplistic terms, because it was the most simple invitation. Follow. To begin to ask the question, not what do I know, not even am I a Christian, Am I following? Not did I go to church, not do I read, not did I do, not, not did I not do. What if we could take all the, the, the Jesus says approach away from religion for just a couple of weeks? We could just put all that to the side and begin to ask the simple question, am I following? Now again, if this seems too simple to you, It seemed too simple for the religious people in Jesus' day as well. Story continues. Matthew gives us a really interesting detail because in the very next scene, here's what Matthew says happened. Um, Verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, you go, whoa, wait a minute. What? Like we were just at a tax collector's booth. The next thing you know, we're at his house? Come on, now, if you think Peter and the guys had a problem with Matthew walking around with them, they're like, We're going where? (laughs) Peter's like, I am not going to his house. I'll get get covered in tax gatherer cooties if I go there. I can't go there. It's bad enough that he's with us. We cannot, there's no way. We cannot go to his house. And Jesus says, Yes, Matthew, I'll tell you where we're going to go. This is going to be simple for you. Let's just go. And Jesus did this all the time. You remember Zacchaeus? Hey, Zacchaeus, where are we going? Let's go to your house. Let's go somewhere familiar. Let's go somewhere that's even comfortable. Let's go somewhere that might just ruin my reputation, but might give us an opportunity to begin to relate. So look what happens. Verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax gatherers, collectors, and sinners, so the tax gatherers or collectors were so bad that it was offensive to sinners even to be associated with them. Okay, I I might be a sinner, but at least I'm not a tax collector. They had their own realm. I'm bad. I get it. But okay, the bottom of the barrel, that is tax gatherers. So Matthew's only friends were the tax gatherers, the collectors, the traders to Judea and to the nation. Tax gatherers and people who were just sinners. Sinners means that they were outcasts to the religious system. They didn't even bother making sacrifices for their sin because you know what? It was eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. We're probably all going to go to hell anyway, so we might as well enjoy each other's company as long as we can. So now Jesus goes to Matthew's house. Matthew invites everybody he knows, and the only people he can hang out with are tax-gatherers and sinners. And there sits his closest followers, Jesus' closest followers, and they're all going like, "Ah, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this." Now, let me tell you why this is such a big big deal. And if you're new to Christianity, or you're just exploring it, or you've been out of church for a while or you got kicked out of a church. Maybe your parents got divorced and nobody knew what to do with it, and so you haven't been back since. What I'm about to say, this is so for you. This is so important. Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable with people who weren't anything like Him. And apparently, as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, apparently people who were nothing like Jesus were very comfortable with him. Even though he is God incarnate, he's in this environment surrounded by people who would tell you, if you ask them, he wasn't being judgmental. They were tax gatherers and sinners and people who were nothing like Jesus. It means if you are not a religious person, you might even be kind of anti-Christian, or you've got questions, or, or you're, you're not so sure. If you are with us, and you feel anything but accepted and loved by us, I want you to know that is our fault. That is not our Savior's fault, because our Savior was extraordinarily comfortable with people who were nothing like Him. They liked Him. Jesus would like you. Jesus would not be put off by your sin. Jesus would not be uncomfortable, even though He knew all your thoughts. It's a pretty powerful thought, isn't it? And Jesus, knowing the hearts of men and women, looks at Matthew when He says, hey, Matthew, follow me. Now, Jesus is being shadowed. Verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, and they're like, what? Verse, he's just invited a tax collector. Somebody write this one down. Make a report on this. Okay, where, where are we going now? Oh, oh, I see where we're walking. We're heading into the rich people's district. Oh no. Oh no. We are going to Matthew's house. and Matthew sees them. He's like, Pharisees, eh? You're not invited to my house, so they're left outside. Verse 11: When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?" We're confused. We don't get it. Okay? He's a rabbi. He's a holy man. We're holy people. He's a lawkeeper. We're lawkeepers. He worships God? We worship God. Why is it that we have an awful lot in common, but He didn't invite us? Why is it that He would choose people He's nothing like instead of people that He's like? I, I don't even think He really likes us. I, I, I know we don't really like Him. Why is that? And they were, they were so confused, and Jesus knows that there's a disturbance. Now, this is the really strange part of the story. So Jesus, I guess, is sitting around a table, maybe with Matthew and all his friends, and they're all feeling maybe just a little bit awkward, and they're trying to figure out what's what, and who's who, and what, what, what the next shoe will be to drop. And verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So imagine you're Matthew at this table, and you, and you hear this, and it trails off, but the sick. And you go, It's not the healthy. Hold on a second here, Jesus. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, let's be clear. You're a guest in my house. And I get it. I know what you just said. You're saying I'm sick. And and, and you're not out there with them because they're healthy. And they don't need you. And all of me and my friends, and you're calling us all sick. I, I, I don't know how it went down, but I just think Jesus is just smiling there. And he said, Matthew, dude, you're a tax collector, of course you're sick, all right? And look at your friends, and they're like, oh yeah, we're all sick, high five. And they just go on with the dinner. Because, come on, honestly, let let, let me just say something to you. You know you're sick. You know that there's something wrong with you. You're not even consistent with your own rules. Come on, dad, dad, you've had that talk with your son And you don't even do what you ask your son to do. You don't even keep the rules that you want your daughter to keep. You're not even careful with those things you want your kids to stay away from. I mean, you don't even do what you ask your employees to do consistently. You break your own rules. And you know if there's a God, you've broken His rules. You know there's a distance between you and Him. You know that if there's a judgment, you're in trouble. You know if the standard is Jesus, you fall short. You don't need a preacher to tell you that. And I think Jesus was just so winsome, so comfortable in His skin, and so secure that He could say out loud with the sinners, And all the tax gatherers there, he goes, hey, tell them I'm in here with the sick people because I've come for the sick. (coughs) Let me just tell you something. All the people of any variety who are willing to look in the mirror and say, I need something. I need help. Those are the prime candidates to be followers of Jesus. Now, Jesus has kind of offended the people he's with, but he ain't done offending because he's Jesus. So listen to the rest of the message. Verse 13, but go and learn what this means. Now, understand this is a message that's going back out to the Pharisees outside. Uh, It's so offensive to Pharisees because all they did was sit around and learn. And and, and they were just good. Their full-time job was be good. What do you do? I'm just good. That's what I do. I stay good. And so they studied all the time. And so now Jesus is about to say to them, tell them, tell them to go look this up in the Jewish scriptures. And he quotes from the prophet Hosea, stuff that they already should have known, right? They probably already did know. Verse 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And Jesus says, and and if they don't understand what I'm talking about and what I'm doing, here's what I'm talking about and why I'm doing it. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Come to call. This is important, okay? But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In other words, I am not content to simply be with people who believe all the right things. And I'm not simply content to hang out with people who behave in all the right ways. I want to join with the people who believe the right things and behave in the right ways in order to to call the people who don't believe the right things and don't behave the right ways, who know that there is something else to believe, and I wish I just had more control out over how I behaved. Let me tell you why. Let, let, me, let me just talk to those of you who are Christians and Jesus followers, just for a second. And if you're not, I, I know that there are some folks who, who do tune in and check us out. And um, If you're not, it's okay, you can laugh at us. And, and, and I know that you think that we're hypocrites, and we are. Uh, I, I promise, we are. Uh, we're not as good as we appear to be on Sunday, especially when you see us at school or at work. or You wonder why we're even here. I know that. So let me just say something to those who would call ourselves Christians. This is why this is so important. We dare not become a church that is content to gather together in person or online and just believe the right things and just behave the right ways and stop there. Because if we do, we will find ourselves standing outside the very room that Jesus inhabits as he comes to call the sick and the sinners and those who know that they need a savior. I don't want a pastor a church. I don't want to attend a church. And I really don't want my family attending a church that's all about believe the right way and behave the right way and forget that we have been called. We have been called to come and called to partner with our Savior for those who have a sneaking suspicion. I need something. I think, I think I'm sick. There's got to be more to this life than just this life. And we've been called. We've been privileged, we've been gifted, we've been given the opportunity to partner with our Savior for those who would claim to be, those who acknowledge, I'm outside the faith. But you know what? As I lean in, I'm hoping. I'm hoping you have something to say, you have something to offer. It's not enough to believe right. It's not enough to behave right. In fact, the group of Christians that is content to simply believe right and behave right, they eventually become Pharisees. They eventually become judgmental. They become the ones that say, as soon as you change, you can be part of us. That was the Pharisees' message. It was simply this. It was change. And then you can join us. Change, and you will be allowed to join us. Jesus came along, turned it upside down, messed everybody up. And, if, and if, you, if you do tune out and you don't hear anything else, I say, please don't miss this. Jesus showed up and said, no. Join us. Follow me. And then you'll change. Join us and you will change. Matthew, I'm not asking you to do anything except stand up, follow me, and we're going to go to your house. And the Pharisees are like, but wait, okay? He's a tax gatherer, a tax collector. And Jesus is like, you know what? I don't run your game plan. Your game plan is all believe the right stuff, behave the right way. We'll give you a quiz, all right? And then we'll decide if you qualify to join us. Jesus is no, honestly, I don't really care what you're doing or what you believe or what you don't believe even what you don't believe about me or what you do believe about me. I want to invite you to just take a little baby step. Follow me. But let me warn you, if you follow me for very long, one of these days you may look in the mirror and you may not recognize who you see. Not because you've been in an endless game of Jesus says, Jesus says, but because but because I'm like a father. I'm like a vine. I'm like a good shepherd, and I just want you to follow me. Following me changes you. So that's what this series is about. It's about saying, regardless of where you are and whatever end of the spectrum you're on, this invitation is for you. Four quick things to wrap this up, and then we're going to move us, that's going to move us in the right direction. So four things about follow. Here we go. Number one, being a sinner does not disqualify you. It's a prerequisite. This is important. We've got to, we've got to shake off some of those, those messages that we've heard before. Every single person that Jesus invited to follow him and every single person that said yes was a sinner. Every single one. The only people that resisted following Jesus were the people who thought they were perfect. The less perfect the person, the greater their candidacy was in terms of becoming a follower of Jesus. So, Jesus begins with Matthew. I mean, he's on the far end of the spectrum. Jesus begins with Matthew before Matthew has prayed anything, before Matthew has committed anything, before Matthew has repented anything, of anything, before Matthew had promised anything. He says, Matthew, just as you are right now, just take a baby step and follow me. I'm going to make it easy for you. We're going to go to your house. And, and you, you don't have to hang out with all of these people. Just, just invite your friends. This is so important. I got, I got to get this part in, then, then we move on. There is no sin. There is no sin. There is no habit. There is no addiction. There is no illness. There is no problem that puts you outside the circle of those that have been invited to follow Jesus. What does that entail? Well, wait and see. We'll get to that. I just want you to do what you can do right now. Follow. Second one. This is even hard to say. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you come on i can't follow jesus i don't even believe in any of this jesus stuff so listen none of jesus earliest followers believed none zero when you read matthew mark luke and john and it's so funny two years in jesus does something and in the text it says and they believed <laughs> what were they doing for the last two years what were they doing not believing. That's what they were doing. Jesus was constantly saying, Your unbelief, and oh, your unbelief. And he would chastise them for their lack of belief. They're going, you know what? We're trying to believe. All right? We got a lot of baggage here. We got, we're, we're trying to believe. One of his closest followers was such an unbeliever. He even got a nickname for his lack of faith. You know who I'm talking about? Who was it? Doubting who. Yeah, doubting Thomas. At the end, check it out. At the end, Thomas is like, come on, I don't know. I got to see. I don't know. Maybe the whole thing is a trick. Like, maybe it didn't happen. I just don't know. And Jesus never said, Thomas, dude, I've been with you for three years, and you still don't believe? You're out. Here's what I want you to hear me say. It doesn't matter how little faith you have. Even if you have no faith, you are invited to become a follower of Jesus, which means you don't have to even believe he's divine. You don't have to even believe he's historical. You can start by just saying, I'm going to be a Jesus follower that follows, you know, maybe some of the easy teachings of Jesus, and I dare you to try. Jesus says, I'll take that. Baby steps. You don't have to believe all this stuff for now. It took the people who knew him up close and personal for three years. Many of them never came to believe until he actually rose from the dead. I'm telling you, it was the very end. It took some of them to the very, very end before they believed. So I'm telling you, you can begin following You can belong into one before you believe everything that we believe. Number three, the invitation to follow is purely an invitation to relationship. This is huge. It is not an invitation to the Ten Commandments. It's not even an invitation to obedience. Let me tell you why this is important. If you were married to someone who obeyed all the marriage rules, and you obeyed, all the marriage rules, you would not necessarily have a good relationship. I think all of us would opt to be in a relationship with somebody who maybe breaks some of the rules every once in a while, but there's an actual relationship. Rules don't make a relationship. The reason I keep my marriage rules is because I'm in love with Cheryl. I I never once have gotten up and pulled out my list and said, remember today, here's the five things you always do as a husband. And then on the other side of the page, here's the five things you never do. And I certainly never said to Cheryl, these are things that you have to do. We don't even have a list like that. It's about love. Here's what Jesus knew. and, And I've got to warn you about this, full disclosure. If you start loving jesus you will start doing some different things but not because you got up in the morning and you said okay remember good christians always do this and bad christians always do that it's because you begin that's what i'm I'm sure jesus said to matthew jesus said to a whole bunch of people and, and jesus says to you as well says come on follow Because over time, you do different things. You stop doing things. You start thinking a different way. That's why. If you could just erase all of your memory banks about everything that has been crammed in there to do with religion and Jesus, everything you've heard, the arguments surrounding the Bible or Christianity, and you could read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, you would discover I am being invited into a relationship. And a relationship that begins with me just as I am. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Here's a verse that never gets any airplay. Romans 2, verse 4. It's actually God's kindness that leads us to repentance. You know, dude, I thought it was fear. But Paul says it's not fear, it's God's kindness. Do you know how you would experience someone's kindness? You have to be in their proximity. You have to be in a relationship of some sort with them. And Paul says, as you move, as you begin to follow, as you take little baby steps, Paul says, I'm I'm just telling you, the thing that leads us to repentance, which means change, is not the fear of hell. You know that doesn't work. It's God's, kindness, especially as demonstrated through Christ. Fourth one, following forces me to focus on where I am whether, rather than where you are not. This is why you have to follow. If you're a Christian and you don't follow, you're not actively following, you become a Pharisee. Because when I wake up every day and say, God, my my goal isn't to keep the ten things or the four things and never and always. My goal is today, to the best of my ability, just to simply follow you. Then I become so aware of my responsibility. I don't have time to judge you. And if you felt judged by a church, kicked out by a church, it's probably because you got surrounded by a bunch of Christians who believed everything right and behaved everything right, but somewhere along the way they quit following. And so they just started evaluating and judging. The other way I say it is this. Maybe this is even more helpful. This is helpful for me. The, The more conscious I am of the work God has yet to do in me, the less critical I am of what God is yet to do in you. This is what makes the body of Christ extraordinary. This is what makes the church when it's firing and hitting on all cylinders absolutely fantastic because men and women, that come together and some know a little bit and some know a lot. Some have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Some have been walking with Jesus just, just a little bit of time. Some people have great faith and some, some people just have a little bit of faith. But everybody, to the best of their ability, is moving in the same direction, learning to become more and better followers of Jesus. And you find yourself in in, in a group of people like that. I'm telling you, this is something that is so extraordinarily powerful about that. It, It just envelops you. That environment is so compelling. So as we launch this series, as we launch what I hope becomes a conversation around the dinner table in a home, the question that you need to keep asking is, am I following not what do i know not how well do i pray not how consistently do i attend church not how much scripture do i know not even how obedient am i but am i participating actively following am i actively intentionally engaged in the process of following jesus and his invitation is extended to every single person on the planet sin does not disqualify you a lack of belief does not disqualify you because it is an invitation to a relationship let me pray for you father thank you so much for what you have put in in motion thank you for making it so easy for making it so simple for making it so clear Please give each of us now the wisdom to know what to do now with what we just heard. And and, and we we, we pray that your interaction with us would move us forward and guide us as we go forward. We we, we pray all this in, in, in the name of Jesus. Amen.